You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to today's Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is your faithful editor and host, Michael Lichens. Today I'm talking to the one and only Father Donald Calloway. He's been a frequent writer on Catholic Exchange. He's sold numerous books. He's been a priest for over 15 years, currently serves as Vicar Provincial and Vocation Director for the Congregation of Marin Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. And we're talking about my absolute favorite saint, St. Joseph. Longtime listeners and readers will know I have a great devotion to Joseph. I've tried to teach as many of you as I can his novena, and this is a very exciting conversation. So, Father Calloway, thank you so much for joining us here to talk about Joseph. Yeah, thank you. It's an honor. And uh, like you, I, I also share a great love for him. So this, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Me too. And I know you have a devotion to him, but what inspired you to want to write your latest book, St. Joseph Gems? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I I've, I pray a lot to the Holy Spirit and Our Lady asking for guidance in the books that I write. And, um, you know, it just in my prayers, it just came up. You know, we need to really go to Joseph. You know, as a mm-hmm. classic saying says, "Ite ad Joseph." And so I, I said, "Well, do you want me to p- put a book together on on Joseph?" And I just felt in my heart that they did. That heaven wants me to to help bring an awareness, a greater awareness uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, about him. And so I thought, you know what? Let's do this. So I, I start gathering quotes and from saints and popes and. One thing led to another, and uh, got the book that uh, that I have, St. Joseph Gems. Yes, and is your St. Joseph Gems, I've been uh, reading through it, it's, if I recall, a list of daily wisdom and reflections on St. Joseph, is that correct? Yeah, that's right, exactly. So one quote for every day of the year from a pope or a saint or a blessed about St. Joseph. You and I are both on almost a wavelength. I remember your wonderful article, Go to Joseph, that you published a few weeks ago. And it seems like there's been 150 years that St. Joseph's devotion has really grown in strength. Of course, many, you and I and many other listeners have a great devotion to him. What do you think's been driving this love of St. Joseph in the modern world? Well, I think, you know, um, due to several circumstances, I mean, we've had some popes in the last 150 years who have really emphasized him. And, mm-hmm. you know, in 1870, you had uh, Blessed Pope Pius IX declare him the universal patron of the church. And, I mean, that's huge. That's that's a huge proclamation. But then after him, you have Pope Leo XIII, who writes uh, the first encyclical on St. Joseph. And then you've got Pope St. Pius X, who greatly loves St. Joseph. Uh, you've got Benedict XV, you've got Pius XII, John XXIII, John Paul II. And so we, we just really, the popes were really emphasizing this in the last 150 years. But then also, you've got several approved apparitions where St. Joseph makes an appearance, you know, and mm-hmm. we're kind of not used to that. You know, when we hear about apparitions, usually we always just say, well, Marian apparitions. But, you know, at Our Lady of Knock, in Ireland in 1879, St. Joseph appeared there. No no words were said, which is classic form to St. Joseph, you know. That's, that's who he is, you know, the man of silence. Yes. Um, but then also it's in Fatima, right? Uh, the last apparition, October 13th, 1917, St. Joseph was also present at that apparition. And and I think that's significant. And, I, you know, and then you, you had a lot of uh, a new journal came out about what's called Josephology, um, that had never come into existence before. Everything was, you know, about other topics and, and such. And religious communities began to be founded that um, were dedicated to St. Joseph in the last 150 years, the Oblates of St. Joseph, the mm-hmm. Josephites, and a whole bunch of others. New shrines were built to St. Joseph. Yes. We put St. Joseph in the Mass, you know. I mean, it's actually shocking to me that he, his name wasn't in 
the Roman canon, what we today we call the Eucharistic prayers, um, kind of shocking when you think about it. Um, mm-hmm. But he's in there now. And so there's all those things, I think, really help to bring this awareness of, of him into our life today. And, and I think it's continuing. I, I think we're continuing to see that. I do, too. And it, I can list many, many reasons why I love St. Joseph. So I'm almost afraid to ask you this question. But what first attracted uh-huh. you to St. Joseph? Well, I think, I mean, in a certain sense, I have a certain spiritual jealousy of him because he was <laughs> married to the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know? yes. <laughs> I mean, that's just amazing to, to even think about. And, you know, of course, I'm I'm a priest, so I, I don't have a wife. Uh, but, boy, if I had one, I, I would love to be as close to the Blessed Virgin Mary as I possibly could be, you know. And, and he was. I mean, he was her chaste spouse. He was her provider and, 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 and her guardian and everything. And Mm-hmm. I just, to me, that's, I want to be like him in the sense of, I want to be a, a knight for Our Lady. I, I consider him like the first knight for Our Lady, um, you know, who protected her and served her and, and, and died for her, really. And and then also, of course, I mean, you know, he's the one that the God-man, Jesus Christ, called Father, you know, as his, you know, putative father. He wasn't his biological father, of course, but, I mean, God called him Father, and 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 respected him and obeyed him and i mean that says it all right there and if 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 joseph is good enough for jesus and mary he's good enough for me you know <laughs> that's that's actually probably the best answer you could give if he's good enough for jesus he's good enough for all of us so yes right yeah exactly and i've noticed uh there's a lot of especially in north america here among catholics there's a resurgence of trying to find a masculine identity so i know many young men mm-hmm. this isn't how i found joseph but i see the natural attraction of trying to mm-hmm. learn to be a man and in this world where there's so many absentee fathers and so many conflicting ideas of what a father mm-hmm. should look like the church gives us a silent mm-hmm. man who does his duty and does it very well yeah oh no absolutely i could agree with you more and i think I, I think it's true, and I think that what we're also seeing is a resurgence of, you know, trying to picture Joseph in a way that is maybe a little more appealing than, than sometimes we've seen him, because sometimes we've seen him painted more as the grandfather of Jesus than the father, right. you know? He's, he's old and crippled, and, you know, basically it's like, gosh, I mean, this guy is like five times the age of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and, you know, we don't have any official teaching on that mm-hmm. in the church. We don't know how old he was. Um but and there are reasons why these uh, art has depicted him as as older and you know to, to as, a, as a way of kind of shielding or protecting the virginity of Mary. Um, so it's it's understandable. But I think like Fulton Sheen, for example, I love Fulton Sheen mm. and Saint Jose Maria Escrivá. They both uh, were in favor of a, kind of an understanding of a younger Joseph, older than Our Lady, of course, but not not uh, an old you know decrepit man. You know, <laughs> um, so. That's appealing, I think, because also then I think men, when they see an image like that of Joseph is strong and it is prime and healthy and uh, everything, they realize that that lily that he's holding his hand is actually a weapon. Because, you know, most times when you if you see a painting with a guy holding a lily, you think, gosh, why is this guy called the terror of demons? What's so fearful about that? He's holding a lily, you know. But that's because that lily is purity, it's manhood, it's strength, it's power. You know, it's basically a spiritual sword, you know, a spiritual staff. When you see it that way, um, with a Joseph that looks, you know, very, you know, just strong, um, I think that appeals to a lot of guys. Oh, yes, especially that very famous statue in front of the oratory in Canada, 
that I could think of. Mm-hmm. Which, yep, I've seen that. Me too. Yep. It's one of my all-time favorites. And while we're talking about these great icons of Joseph, uh, just to give people an idea of Joseph's many qualities, why is he called the Terror of Demons? Yeah, it's a great point because that's one of my favorite titles for him. Me too. And it's funny because, yeah, and it, it pops out of nowhere. Kind of, You're praying the litany of St. Joseph, for example, and you get all these nice titles, and all of a sudden it's Terror of Demons. You're like, whoa, what's that? You know? I think what it is is probably many reasons, but one is, you know, He's invested with authority. Again, you know, God obeyed him, and the devil doesn't like that. And, and I think that the devil knowing that Joseph has God's ear, when Joseph speaks to God, God listens. God obeyed Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so the devil, I think, does not like that kind of authority, especially that paternal authority and, and headship. I mean, he's a universal patron of the church, and so the devil is going to really be fearful of that um, because when Joseph, you know, speaks uh, to God, well, things are going to move. Things are going to happen. And I think that's why he's the terror of demons. <laughs> yes, very true. And as I said at the intro, many of our readers are familiar. An article I published years ago about trying to spread the, his novena I have a great devotion to it because I've mm. seen many, nothing I'm doing. I don't know why Joseph has any reason to answer any of my prayers, but a lot of people I've <laughs> seen when I've encouraged the novena and prayed the novena with them, great things have happened in their lives. And I never thought to say, well, yeah, of course, this is the man who helped raise the Lord. He's going to have the ear of the Lord. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I think also, again, you know, another reason maybe he's referred to as the terror mm-hmm. of demons is because of that purity. I mean, we understand him to be such a chaste man, such a holy man that, you know, the, another thing that the devil does not like is purity of heart. Um, and so when you're talking about St. Joseph, you're talking about the man who was good enough that God assigned him to be the husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary mm-hmm. and kind of in his role as the father of Jesus. I mean, it doesn't get any purer than that. So the devil is going to be terrified of the purity of St. Joseph. It is a thing to behold, of course. They're talking to St. Joseph. Is there a particular uh, St. Joseph uh, devotion that you have at all? Yeah, you know what? This is kind of interesting because it's it's a newer one for me because I wasn't terribly familiar with it. Um, There's this, um, and I don't know the exact history of it too well, but um, there are these statues now that you can get of St. Joseph of, of actually him lying down asleep. Um, and the, you know, Pope Francis talks about this, that he, he has this devotion. So, you know, how God would speak to St. Joseph when he was asleep, uh, and through it, through the angels, through his messengers about what he wanted him to do, you know, take the child and go to Egypt or even what we call St. Joseph's annunciation, you know, when, when God to the angel told him not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife because the child in her was of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. And so there's this particular devotion where you, you have one of these images of St. Joseph where he's lying down, he's got the lily next to him and he's asleep. You put your intention under the statue and you ask St. Joseph basically to take this intention to God because, you know, when he was here on, the, on earth, according to the New Testament, you know, he communicated with God on a deep, profound level when he was asleep, you know. So by asking St. Joseph to, to sleep on it, so to speak, you're asking him to pray for this intention. Um, and I, I, every month I place a different little intention under my little statue of St. Joseph, asking him 
for a particular need, whether it's for a family member or whether it's for a particular virtue or a situation. Um, so I, that, that's one way that I have a, a, a devotion to St. Joseph. Oh, that's lovely. I need to find one of those statues. Yeah, it's also powerful because of the, excuse me, my theology background's going to come through for just a second with you, dear readers. <laughs> uh, but with the dreams of St. Joseph, I also think of Joseph, son of Jacob in the Old Testament, and how God also communicated through him to him through dreams mm. and gave him amazing visions and prophecies. It's amazing yep. how he'll work that way sometimes, especially through two men with the same name. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And there are tons of parallels between, you know, the patriarch Joseph in the Old Testament and Joseph in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and many, you know, scholars have brought those out in books and everything. And, and I hope to do that too with the future book that I'm going to be writing to draw out some of those parallels. Cause I, I definitely think that uh, divine providence is, put that in there in the sacred text for a reason you know to go back to your current book what has been the reaction to people i mean you've written about mary so many times you've written about the rosary mm. what has been people's reaction when you said okay i'm writing about joseph it's actually it was great uh, believe oh, it or not, um, yeah it, it really was and um there's there's actually people asking me look write more on saint joseph we need more of this and so that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm already researching stuff on St. Joseph to put out another book in uh, probably early 2020. But this is how amazing it was, was I contacted uh, several of the religious communities dedicated to St. Joseph, and I told them about the book and uh, St. Joseph Gems, and they said, oh, well, well, we'll share it with all of our members. We'll you know put it in our chapels. And I got endorsements from provincials, from uh two religious communities dedicated to St. Joseph. And then mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, why not just go like to the big guys, the big guns over in Rome. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to send an email to uh Cardinal Robert Sarah, you know, mm-hmm. and um, see if, see if, uh, you know, it just kind of rolling the dice thinking, yeah, he's probably so busy. He's not going to get back to me, but he did. I couldn't believe it. And, and he responded and he, and he said he loved the book and he offered his endorsement, which is on the back cover. And I was so grateful for that because, um, He's just a great role model for me as a, as a cardinal, and so yeah, so people are loving the book, and Good. I think um, what yeah, what some of them have told me too is that some of the uh, quotes that I have in it, I had people that I know translate them from uh, several languages into English, so they they've never appeared some of the quotes in English before, so the, for the first time th- these quotes are appearing in English, and and that's really neat. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of that, bringing them into you know English. Absolutely. Uh, what are some of those authors you had translated, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so there was Blessed uh, William Joseph Chaminade, if you've mm-hmm. heard of him. Yes. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's fantastic. I love that guy. He is, I was actually surprised to find uh, this out, is um, he is probably one of the most uh, dedicated saints. He's a, he's a blessed now, but I think he'll be a saint in the future, who wrote about St. Joseph. And he was doing this during the time of the, the French Revolution is when this blessed lived and wow. you know, he was basically on the run. Yeah. He was being hunted down by the authorities and it was, you know, his life was at risk. And, and yet he was saying, let's be like Joseph, you know, even though we have to be placed in silence at this moment, let's be strong. Let's defend our lady. Uh, he was just absolutely amazing. So I've got some great ones in there from him. And then also um, St. Peter Julian Imard, uh, if you've heard of him, another great saint, he was uh, real, really devoted to the blessed sacrament. And um, he put out several, you know, uh, like retreat style things for various 
meditations with the Blessed Sacrament or with Our Lady, and he has one on St. Joseph, but then he also has in some of his other works that haven't been translated aspects of St. Joseph that are just powerful. I mean, some of the most powerful statements that I've ever read on St. Joseph came from uh, St. Peter Julian Yamard. So those are some of them, uh, and there's there's a few others as well. I like to ask all, all authors this, especially for a subject like St. Joseph. What was the most surprising or delightful thing you learned about Joseph in re- researching and writing this book? Yeah, I think it's just the um, the power of Joseph to really move saints to growth and virtue and to do tremendous things, um, you know, um, in their devotion to him, you know, when they, when they found new communities, for example, dedicated to St. Joseph, like one in particular, um, the St. Luigi Guanella. Mm. Um, I was, I didn't even know who he was um, until I did this research on St. Joseph and come to find out that um, he was from Rome, from Italy, and he founded this uh, what's called pious union of St. Joseph for the, the salvation of the dying and because of his devotion to St. Joseph. And he built a, a minor basilica in Rome dedicated to St. Joseph. And basically they offer up their lives and their prayers and sacrifices for the souls who are dying. And boy, that's great because when, when you think about it, you know, and I've done the, the research every day on this planet, there's something like 150,000 people who die every day. And so a lot of these people are not prepared for death. St. Joseph, who's the patron of a happy death, you know, mm-hmm. he's someone to turn to for all of these souls that are, that are dying every day. And, and, and I thought, boy, that's, that's a great kind of discovery of, you know, whenever you hear, for example, you're driving down the street and you see an ambulance or you hear an ambulance, you know, sometimes we pray a Hail Mary and that's great. That, you know, that's awesome. But, boy, also, if we turn and we ask St. Joseph, you know, pray for this, intercede for this soul, for whatever's happening in this situation, if they are to die, help them to accept, you know, our, our Lord. And uh, I mean, that's just a moment to turn to him for intercession. And I found that um, to be very inspiring to me in, in my research. Absolutely. That's one of the coolest things I've learned on this podcast. Awesome. You also touch on Our Lady of America and the role of St. Joseph in that apparition. Can you give us a little background? Yeah, I, you know, what's funny is I don't know tons about it because um, it, it's not fully approved yet. You know, it, it, it yes. doesn't have like the, you know. So I, there was a sister, um, and I think, I think it was like in the mid-20th century, who received these private revelations from Our Lady. But part of that also was St. Joseph. And he talked to her and spoke to her about, devotion to him, and even, I believe, part aspects about devotion to his heart, um, oh. which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, which is pretty remarkable to, to think about, because um, we've never, you know, as far as I know, there hasn't been much done on that. Um, and mm-hmm. certainly, I mean, his heart is not on the same level as the Sacred Heart or the Immaculate Heart or anything like that. But nonetheless, you know, he is our spiritual father, and he is so pure and so holy um, and he was asking for, you know, devotions to increase to him. And I think in many ways, maybe reminding the world of things that were done in previous ages, but they were kind of forgotten. Like, for example, votive masses to St. Joseph on Wednesdays. Um, I believe mm-hmm. that that was part of it as well. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know about that today. Um, you know, they've forgotten about Wednesday was kind of St. Joseph's Day. Like Saturday, we, we traditionally consider Our Lady's Day. Yes. Um, but, but Wednesday was kind of dedicated to St. Joseph and people would go to mass and 
it would be a vote of mass in his honor. And But we've kind of gotten away from that, unfortunately. But I think that part of that aspect of St. Joseph and those apparitions to Sister Mildred, uh, Our Lady of America, was to renew, you know, our, our fervor and love and devotion to St. Joseph. So we'll see what comes of that. Uh, I know Cardinal Burke is very much in favor of um, mm-hmm. Our Lady of America. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the, the church in, in, ends up doing there. Wonderful. And I'll be watching and waiting in hope as well. And for anyone, uh, let's say someone is listening to this, they're going to be picking up St. Joseph Jim's, your latest book, but they're wondering, how do I start today to begin a devotion to St. Joseph? What's the first mm. step? Well, I would say, obviously, you know, prayer is just, um, mm-hmm. as the classic saying says, you go to Joseph. Um, so just turn to him in prayer. And, and if you haven't had a great relationship with him or don't know where to start, just say, you know what, this does make a lot of sense. I mean, you you were the man who was closest to Jesus and Mary. Um, and, you know, they they loved you. Um I, I should love you too. And, and you are the pat- universal patron of the church. Um, you know, this definitely is not going to hinder you spiritually. It's going to help you spiritually. So mm-hmm. just ask them, you know, I, I don't, you know, maybe know what to do or how to say it or how to formulate it. But, you know, um, St. Joseph, uh, be a part of my life, you know, be, be a spiritual father to me, cloak me with your, your paternal cloak, protect me, shield me from harm, help me to grow in virtue help me to fall more in love with Jesus and Mary and, you know, something as simple as that. And then, you know, I'm writing my, I, what I'm going to call my great book on St. Joseph, even though I haven't written it yet, but it's in my head. Um, mm-hmm. It's a two-year project, but until then, you read great books about St. Joseph. There's some fantastic books out there um, about St. Joseph um, and his virtues and his manhood and, and all of those, those aspects. Absolutely. And there's a lot of great resources online. We'll put a few on CatholicExchange.com for all our listeners. If you're listening and want a few more helps, we'll have, of course, Father's book there. But please do come, and I'll put up a few more resources. And, Father, back to your book. Uh, what have you seen? What do you think are the most common spiritual fruits of growing a devotion to Joseph? Mm, yeah, that's a that's a good question. I would say one of them would be definitely growth in wanting to um, be pure. Um, mm. You know, a lot of saints, a lot of those quotes from the saints that I have and, and blesseds and venerables, like uh, Venerable Mary of Agreda, for example, um, who's, you know, not that well known, unfortunately, but she's got some great stuff. And, you know, she wrote down in a book she wrote called The Mystical City of God on the Life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, she's going to have a lot on St. Joseph in there too, because, you know, when you talk about Mary, you're going to be talking about Joseph as well. Well, in there, she talks about some of the fruits of having a devotion to St. Joseph, and one of them is purity. And I can say, this is, this is one reason why myself, as both a man and a priest, you know, have a devotion to him, is to help me to have, you know, custody of the eyes, to help me to watch my thoughts, to help me to, you know, really desire um, purity of heart. And it, and that's so important because remember, you know, our Lord himself says, blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. You know, I, I want to see God. Joseph saw God on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and, and that purity is part of that. And so, um, for men who are who are maybe struggling with purity and, and various aspects that that entails, 
I have found, and I've heard through men, through men's groups and men's conferences and dioceses and parishes, that St. Joseph is extremely powerful in this area. And the Venerable Mary of Agreda says that this is one of the fruits of having a devotion to Joseph, is that you will grow in purity. Um, and then another that I've experienced as well is, you know, just growth in humility. You know, sometimes, you know, it's hard. Sometimes you you, you spout things off and you, you say things without thinking it through and you end up mm-hmm. hurting someone or saying something that's um, a little too strong or something. And even though you may be right, you know, it, it, it's okay to be silent. It's okay to um, not have to voice yourself constantly and, and do theological combat with everybody, you know. Um, <laughs> Especially in the age Saint of Joseph, the Internet, yeah. Right, right, exactly. And so St. Joseph is such a great role model in that because, again, you know, as I'm sure everyone knows, we don't have one recorded word from St. Joseph in the New Testament, not mm-hmm. one. Um, and yet this is, you know, the man who was so close to Jesus and Mary, and he could have spouted off his wisdom and his knowledge, and, and, and he would have been right, I'm sure, every time. You know, he, he, he lived basically in perpetual adoration, you know. Um, I mean, he, he was so holy, and yet we don't have one word. There's, there's a great strength in silence and in, in being at peace in the midst of difficult things, you know, um, having to uproot your family and take your family and walk to Egypt, you know, that, that's not easy. And he didn't become bitter. He didn't become, you know, sarcastic. He's a man of tranquility, of peace, and prayer. And that's what St. Joseph does for us if we, if we imitate him. Yeah, so many great fruits, especially I like what you say about the silence because that's something I've been learning in my personal devotion to him is it was something actually a priest tried to tell me when I first converted 14, 15 years Ooh. ago and about you know, pick your battles. You don't have... Not everyone has to know what you're thinking all the time. It's really okay. And devotion to right. Joseph has been helpful on that. Like, okay, I don't have to tell people exactly what's on my brain at this moment. Right, right, right. Yep, yep. All right. And, well, we this conversation went a lot faster than I thought it would. So just to keep in mind for the time, <laughs> thank you so much, first of all. But if people want to learn more about you, Father Callaway, your new book, where can they go on the Internet? Yeah, I have a website that my religious community um, operates. It's, it's fathercalloway.com. So you have to spell out the father part. So fathercalloway.com. And it's got all the stuff there about the books and where I'm speaking. And I'm the vocation director for my community as, w- as well. So if there's any young man that's listening and, and, you know, is looking for a religious community that's orthodox, dedicated to Our Lady and loves St. Joseph, He's one of our patrons, by the way, for our religious yes. community. Um, so, you know, please go there and, and, and uh, contact me through there. And also I do a lot of pilgrimages as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love going to, and taking people to Lourdes and Fatima and the Holy Land and Poland. Mm-hmm. I love Poland. Um, so, yeah, all there on FatherCalloway.com. Perfect. Do you have any uh, pilgrimages coming up that you're excited about? I do. Yeah, I do. I'm actually going to be going um, – Next year on a very unique one, I'm going to go to Rome. I go to Rome a lot, but Wonderful. part of that, we're also going to go to uh, Malta. I've never been oh, to Malta. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, and this is really neat because, you know, with the movie that just came out on Paul, you know, Paul the Apostle of Christ, yes. it just reminded me, I'm like, you know what, this is interesting because, you know, when you read Acts of the Apostles, Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Malta, mm-hmm. and he was basically responsible for bringing Catholicism to, to the island because, uh, you know, they were pagan at the time. And, and when, the, when they were shipwrecked, a snake bit him and uh, it was a venomous snake and the people all thought he was going to die, but he didn't. So they 
kind of almost began to worship him as a god. And he said, wait a minute, I'm not God. And he told them about Jesus Christ. And, and he was there for three months until they were able to set sail again and go to Rome. So on that pilgrimage, we're going to see Saint Paul, what's called St. Paul's Bay, which is where he was shipwrecked and bitten by that snake. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of beautiful churches yes. on the island that we're going we're gonna to go to. So that's going to be unique. And then I, I go to Poland every year, so that's always very special. I mean, Poland is just, oh, Poland is amazing. So. I've heard. Yeah, it's on my short list. So, yes. Wonderful. Uh, by the way, I should tell you this, too, and your, your listeners might like this. You know, your last name, although you pronounce it differently, in mm-hmm. Poland, um, there's a shrine yes. called Our Lady of Lehen. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, when I when I first saw your name years ago, I thought, I wonder, is this guy related? <laughs> oh, actually, it's funny you ask that. Not many people catch on. My family, they were Prussian origin, but they were living in a part mm. that is now that region of Poland. Uh, and oh. so we may have taken the name from that, or I don't really know the full story because there's not much in the family yeah. lineage then, but... I've always wanted to go visit oh. that great basilica just because of the name, you know, of having a similar name to it. I'm like, I need to probably see that. That's amazing. You would love it. And uh, it's it's my religious community, actually, that built it, own it. And oh, it. Um, wonderful. Yeah. I've been there three times, and it is, it's the 11th largest basilica in the world, the 7th mm-hmm. largest in Europe. It's just, it's an amazing place. Our Lady of Lehan, it's absolutely amazing. Great. Now I have yet another reason to visit. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Father. I know I learned a lot from this podcast, and I know many, many of our listeners have as well. Uh, for all of you listening, you can go to fathercalloway.com. I'll put links up on the website as well to his books, his pilgrimages. Uh, if any of you have questions or you want us to talk a little bit more about Joseph, just send me an email, editor at catholicexchange.com. But Father Calloway, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a joy. Thank you, my friend. God bless you, and St. Joseph protect you. You too, Father. Thank you.